0: And the title of my message today is Peace and Calm in the Face of War and Worse. And as we get started, um, I sent out an email on June 29th asking who would like to join in on some group calls via Skype uh, of the people who are being led to move someplace new because several of you have emailed me and said that you are completely alone in this deal and most of the time when God's sending you away to a strange place, your family's not going to be behind you. So if they weren't behind you before, it'll be even worse now, just so you know that. Uh, because they don't, they don't have the faith to trust him we have. So to them, it looks like insanity. And you just have to understand they are where they are. So the reason I planned to start having some of these calls is because I have moved alone to a big, strange place, uh, Dallas. God sent me to Dallas by myself and it terrified me even after years of traveling alone like eight or ten years. I don't want any of you to feel that afraid or that alone. I thought maybe the calls would be a comfort to you. I thought uh, we could all share what we know about moving to you know new places when you don't have anyone with you. So I want to say thank you to those of you who emailed to join and some people are coming into the group that are not led to move or not led to move yet But they have something valuable to contribute to those who do. And they've emailed me and I've approved them. The reason it is so important to be exactly where God is placing you in this season is because the Lord told us in that word on May 17th that what's happening now is not a drill. It's not going to be like, okay, the end is near and then nothing happens. No, this this one's not a drill. And he said that himself. So there is a major attack coming, apparently, from more than one nation on America. It will come at night, and many lives will be lost with no warning. I've had, uh, I've had visions about this. Other people have had more detailed visions than mine. Mine wasn't that, v- that detailed, but, you know, I think about this. Sometimes I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Will this be the night? Are the people I love most safe? You know, how much time do we have left before the attack? We don't know. And and how can I reach more souls for the Lord? Because that's, I really want to do that. So God is moving a lot of his people to safer areas. Other people, however, are not being moved. Please know that he does not have to move you to be able to protect you. You may already be where he wants you. But if he does tell you to move or lead you to and you don't, then you're not going to probably be protected from what's coming because that's what he's moving people for. That and because he he needs some people in a different area to bring in souls. So um, if he is not moving you, then he's going to take care of you where you are. It does not matter if you are being moved or are not being moved. It matters if you are being obedient in whichever one you're supposed to do. Okay. Whatever is coming to your area, the Lord is well able to protect you. If that's where he placed you, remember the three Hebrew men that Nebuchadnezzar threw into the fiery furnace and what happened to them? God did not take them out of the furnace. He walked through there with them and brought them out the other side without so much as the smell of smoke on their clothes to show his magnificent power to protect his children. You know, I've been alone more of my life than not uh, in being alone. I have had to learn to calm myself down if there was a crisis, because there's nobody to help me with that. You know, if you're alone and you find out that some member of your family passed away or something dreadful has happened, it if you, you're just alone, you're just alone. And I always cry, you know, out to God for it. But in trying to find calm in those times, I had to learn to calm myself down and to pray immediately, of course. And there's no other choice if you're alone except maybe have a complete meltdown. And every now and then I've done that too. To calm yourself, somebody needs to hear this, to calm yourself, you basically talk yourself through the crisis. You remind yourself of all the reasons why you should be calm. But a better way is if you can keep your mind and your thoughts on the Lord or on a verse from his word, and then you don't even feel like you're in a crisis. What is the opposite of calm? Calm. The opposite of calm is chaos. Have you ever experienced chaos, the kind that makes your stomach just tie up in knots? I have. It's not fun. And, you know, the Lord told me several years ago, I think it was three or four years ago, I can't remember for sure, it might have been two, I don't know, that I needed to learn how to maintain calm in the midst of chaos because what is coming is chaos. I never did learn that. After a while, I just forgot about it. Just recently, though, I've had to learn. Y'all remember the story of Peter when he walked on water outside the boat to go to Jesus? and that's That story is in Matthew 14. As long as he was looking at Jesus and moving forward, he was fine. He could do the impossible. It was when he looked at what was happening around him that he could not do it. The walking on water story um, from Matthew 14 is right after... Um, Jesus had fed the masses with the, uh, three loaves and then two fishes or the five loaves and then two fishes. And it, starting in Matthew 14:22, and straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go to go before him to the other side while he sent, you know, the crowds away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, they said, in the midst of the sea. But in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out in fear. The reason they cried out in fear is because there was a legend then or whatever that if you saw a ghost coming to you over the water, it meant your boat was going to sink. And there they are in the middle of the night, you know, out in the middle of the ocean in some little boat. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come, and when Peter was come down out of the ship he walked on water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, talking about Peter, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, and he cried, saying, Lord, save save me and, and then you know Jesus saved him and asked him, You know, why was your faith so small? So as long as he was looking at Jesus and moving forward, he was fine. He kept his eyes on Jesus. We get into trouble when we take our eyes off Jesus. He could do the impossible when he was looking at him. Because he was not looking at what was going on around him. He was not looking at the storm. He was not thinking about the storm. He was not thinking about the chaos of the waves coming at him. Then there was the story of Jesus going to sleep in the boat. The storm raged all around the tiny boat carrying Jesus and the disciples, and they were freaking out. I would have freaked out with them uh, on the sea at night in a little wooden boat. You bet I would have, being tossed to and fro. And there was Jesus in the back of the boat just snoring away. How? Because he had perfect peace. And I think the key to how he had that is revealed in John five nineteen. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also do the Son likewise. Jesus had been watching his Father, so his mind was on his Father, not on the storm. In Isaiah 26, 3, y'all hear me talk about this all the time. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. That is why Jesus slept so peacefully in the midst of the storm. And that is what we need to learn to do, too. So the key to staying calm in the midst of chaos is simply turning your focus to him and taking your thoughts off of your surroundings, off of the storm around you, off of the chaos around you. We don't make good decisions when we're upset. We need to stay calm. Uh, and we don't need to be thinking about whatever loud or scary thing is happening, you know, around us. There's a quote by Edward Bulwer. I don't know who he is, but it says, Patience is not passive. On the contrary, it is active. It is concentrated strength. So, y'all know if you listen to me very much that my friends from California are staying with me right now, waiting for their house in Glencoe to close. They have three very small children ages three, two, and six months. So I've had more than the usual amount of practice in staying calm with chaos around me. Um, (laughs) I'm used to just total quiet in my house. Y'all, my dog's kind of freaked out a little bit too, but we all love them being here. So I don't want you to think anything bad about them for what I'm saying. Small children are very noisy. They're just, they just, that's the way they are. They haven't learned that to be quiet is a good thing so they're noisy. So within two weeks of my friends coming to stay, I had gained back five of the 12 pounds I just spent months losing, and I had chewed off all my fingernails and broken out in a stress rash. So I think it's safe to say I was not handling the chaos very well. So the thing with very small children like that, toddlers, is they will scream these high-pitched screams very suddenly. And I am so used to quiet that I just almost jump out of my skin. And if I have to listen to noise like that for even a couple of minutes, my stomach will tie up in knots like I just swallowed an F5 tornado. Anyway, one day recently, we were outside. All outside, the kids were playing outside. and It was afternoon, and the children were starting to get tired. And one of them began to scream really loud, really high-pitched. So I thought, okay, here's an opportunity to practice being calm when nothing around me is calm. So I took some deep breaths and uh, I was talking to one of my friends and the other one was, you know, trying to calm the children. And I was focusing on my one friend who was talking about the Lord because we have great fellowship here. We all sit around and and talk uh, about all this. And I discovered that if I refused to dwell on the chaos and the noise, it couldn't get inside me. If I purposely redirected my thoughts to the conversation about the Lord, I could keep calm. And that experience taught me two things. One, the truth of Isaiah 26, 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And the other key is just don't let your mind dwell on the circumstances, no matter how hopeless you may feel about them. Y'all, when the war comes to America, which is not far off, there's going to be horrific things happening. If you're in a city, especially because you'll see a lot more than those of us who live rural. But if this is the war God's been telling us about for years, he said that the dead will outnumber the living. So once it gets a good start, it's going to be ugly. It's not going to be good. And it will change our lives forever. We're not used to war in America. We don't even know what to do. But It will change our lives forever and we need to have some of these tools like how to stay calm in our spiritual tool belt so we can walk through that time, okay? And remember, Jesus didn't say, I'll show you the way. He said, I am the way. So we just look to him and we'll be on our way to being calm. (laughs) Also, I want to add, whoever is praying for me to have patience, please stop Cease and desist immediately, okay? (laughs) No, I've talked to some of my friends, and I don't know what's going on. There's some kind of spiritual thing going on behind all this. But a bunch of us are being worn down little by little by constant difficulties and delays. I used to think I knew what it was like when Satan wore down the saints, but no, I didn't have any idea. This is a whole different level of that. And people I know that are walking really closely to the Lord are all getting hit with the same thing. Everything that can delay what you're trying to get done happens. All the other people you need to cooperate to achieve what you're trying to get done, they're all dragging their feet, just you know, barely doing it. Like the mortgage process that my friends are going through, it's like unbelievable. Unbelievable the delays that people are taking days to, to even answer you know, a call or anything like that. That's unacceptable, by the way, totally unacceptable. I worked for Bank of America Mortgage and I worked for Countrywide Mortgage and they know how to get things done in those two banks. But it takes everybody to get stuff done because you don't just have mortgage bankers, you have realtors you deal with, you have, you know, pest inspection people, you have all these different people that have to do their part in order for a mortgage process to run smoothly, my granddaughter Markayla is buying a house right now and she's running into a little bit of that. Anyway, I've had quite a week y'all. Y'all would have been pretty entertained. The septic tank started backing up downstairs where my friends are staying and that alone would not be such a big problem if anybody knew where the tank was. Nobody does. The owner doesn't. The maintenance supervisor doesn't. Nobody knows where the tank is. Five or six of us, including the guys who came to work on it, walked this entire yard over and over and cannot find that tank. And I wonder if they built the sunroom on top of it because the sunroom is a is a, a an add on to this house. So the septic digs came out and they dug holes all over my yard. And then they said, "Okay, we'll be back tomorrow and keep looking. And then they completely stopped answering the landlord's phone calls. They started ghosting us. So we haven't seen them again. So in desperation and trying to be helpful to this situation before it turns really bad, I called the county health department and this house I live in is so old, it was built before permits were required for septic tanks. So they couldn't tell us either where it is. So we still don't know where it is. However, because of of my friend's knowledge that lives, is staying here in the house, of his knowledge of repairing things like that, He was able to tell them that that the septic tank is a problem, but the bigger problem was the sump pump stopped working. It just quit. Okay, so they got that fixed, and it looks like we might be okay for a little while. (laughs) Lord God in heaven, please send me a home before this one becomes completely unlivable, and I can't even do my work for you. So in the past 10 days, my microwave broke. My septic tank started backing up. I can hardly stay focused long enough to sign my name. One of my dogs became ill, which necessitated a trip to Missouri to the vet since I was retired here, which thankfully, she's not high-priced. And she's the older of my two dogs, so I'm really concerned. Then I process <laughs> Y'all will love this. Then I processed some contributions on Tuesday and went to deposit them because there's some cash in them, and I don't like to keep cash in the house. And the iBank, which is a live teller ATM during the daytime hours, kept spitting out this one10 bill, and finally I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's counterfeit." And this was the evening, so I couldn't do anything about it. And <laughs> images of George Floyd being arrested for a counterfeit 20 flashed through my mind. So there I am on Wednesday morning, calling the Secret service. when I say I've had a weird week, I'm not kidding. So, yeah, you get the picture. Y'all know me. I am a very simple, quiet person, and I live in the drama-free zone, unless I'm forced out of it. I've had a lot of practice this week on staying calm. I'm just saying. I still have the stress rash. It's still there, but it's not as bad as it was. I think staying calm has a lot to do with a quote that I cannot find that says something about, it's okay if the storm rages around you, just be sure it don't get inside you. And that's what we have to learn to do. I want y'all to practice this week on doing that. If you're around something that's chaotic or noisy or falling apart, just take some deep breaths and think of a, a verse that you like from the Bible or just put your eyes on Jesus and just keep breathing deep and you'll see that that peace and that calm will overtake you. And it's a huge help when things are not going the way you really want them to go. In what is coming in this time, we will face a lot of chaos. Can you imagine when we wake up in a different world the morning after that attack the Lord told us is coming out of the night sky? I think there will be a lot of chaos and a lot of really scared people. We need to be the people that can stay calm in the face of that because I had that peace when I first got saved. and I did work in South Louisiana, and I remember this one man He looked at me and he said, how do you have so much peace with blah, 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 you whatever it was that was going on. And I said, because I have Jesus and I was able to witness to him. And he started getting back into his Bible and reading the word. He said, you're right. You're right. It's all in there. And I'm like, yeah, it's all in there. And that's how you have it. Your peace that comes from the Lord who left us his peace that passes understanding can witness to unsaved people in this time. And that would be a huge thing to do. Huge. On that day, we need to be the group that stays peaceful. On that day, we can show the unbelievers Jesus and hopefully win some souls. On that day, we need to know how to have peace and calm in the face of war and worse. We know what's coming, y'all. He's told us and he's told us. But now he's saying, this is not a drill. It's coming this time. It's not like far off in the horizon somewhere. It's coming in our lifetimes. And that's why we have to be prepared in every possible way. Because our job, those of us who are still here, is to win souls. Our job is to win souls for the kingdom of God. So practice keeping your calm this week, no matter how many people or events are driving you up the wall. And you'll find out that this works. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address. JPH Inc. Glenda Lomax. P.O. Box 60. Glencoe. Arkansas, seven two five three nine, or by email at jphtoday at gmail JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas costs you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com.
1: Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus twenty-one thirty-two, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bond servant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?
0: Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of reckoning and soon it will be night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and soon it will be night. Available now on Amazon.com.
1: Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook.